Our second reading of scripture today is from the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And if you'd like to join me, um, you can find that in the Old Testament on page 455. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Good morning. I have to say it's an honor to be here as the last preacher of the Summer of Love sermon series. I just want to say that while the Summer of Love series may be ending, it's not the end of love. Even though it may seem like it uh, with what's been going on over these past few weeks and months. How many people have seen the, uh, seen the eclipse this last Monday? Anyone? Wow. How, how, how many folks were in the path of totality? Nice. Did you, did you realize that I was, we only got to see the eclipse, we had to drive all the way out to Fairfield to catch it because it was so cloudy here in the Bay Area. And I realized that when, when, when the eclipse got to 80% and was blocking 80% of the sun, the 20% that was left was so bright. And even in the path of totality, it still, there still was light. And that really struck me that even though the darkness may try to eclipse the light, God's light is too bright. Amen. So before I talk about a change of heart, I, I want to share with you some things that I'm grateful for today, things that opened my heart. I'm grateful to be invited here to speak to you today. I'm grateful for this church community that has provided such support to me over the years through Loving Friendships, the Transition Support Group, being a home to the Vegibach ministry we launched together back in 2009. It's been going for over eight years now. And for the members of this congregation who've donated to the holiday fundraisers, I've organized for the Marin Interfaith Street Chaplaincy Wellness Gatherings. Thank you. I'm also grateful for the social justice work that you do. Your ongoing mission work in New Orleans, your concern for the environment, and your commitment to the rest shelter program, among others. I'm grateful that the members of my youth group came all the way from San Francisco to hear me preach. <laughs> Guys, raise your hands, raise your hands so everybody sees you. We we some some of the folks in the group um, 
We recently returned from Tijuana, Mexico, where we went for a mission trip. And um, we started out raising money for something called Project Shelter to bring um, watertight roofs to um, some of the residents that live around the church that we've been helping build in Tijuana. And what started out as a bake sale turned into over $5,000 in donations. And we're going to be um, helping 12 families um, with their roofs over the next six months. So some of us are building bridges in Mexico rather than walls. Thank you. All this good work and generosity comes from our faith tradition that I believe isn't so much a religion as it is a movement of the heart. You see, Jesus was a storyteller and healer, not to mention the Son of God who changed the world by changing hearts. So this begs the question of why we need to be changed, why our hearts need to be changed. And I think they need to be changed because hearts are where love and compassion reside, but they become calcified. They become hardened by anger, judgment, resentments, fear, and hatred. I was in the, um, the, the break room where I, I have a retail job, and I heard a young woman yesterday, um, she was talking about um, this guy at school who is just so filled with anger and hate. And she said, you know, everybody hates this guy. And I was like, oh my, that's the problem, right? We close our hearts when we confront people that we don't agree with and we don't like, right? And we meet hatred with hatred and anger sometimes with anger. You know, last week um, I read Joanne's sermon and she talked about broken hearts and how we can shut down our hearts when our hearts get broken to protect ourselves from pain. And the problem with that is that we cut ourselves off from love. You see, I don't think we have a problem with giving so much as we have a problem with receiving especially those of us who have a proclivity for control. And if we can't receive, then we are missing out on the gift of our faith tradition. If we are beating ourselves up, then we haven't truly received the gift of God's forgiveness. So I want to share three short stories with you um, about interactions with people who live on the street. People who God used to open my heart and taught me that, number one, I can't always trust my thinking. I have a lot of fear and judgments, and I can't always trust my thinking. Number two is the people I think I'm helping sometimes are helping me. I think we got this when we were in Tijuana. Every time I've gone down there, I always get more than I give. And number three, I need to reside more in my heart and less in my head in order to give and receive the love that Jesus calls me to. Okay, so the first story is called The Guy with the Shopping Cart, for lack of a better title. When I was in my early 20s, I was... uh, 
working for a fancy PR agency in Chicago where my ego was much bigger than my paycheck. I was running late to a meeting and found a coveted parking space uh, when I saw this, this man across the street with a shopping cart, an African-American man, and he was pushing this shopping cart towards me, and I was like, oh my, he's going to ask me for money. You see, I'm always rushing. I've got important things to do, and I don't have time for people who are begging for money. So I quickly fed the parking meter, and I made a beeline for the other side of the street. When I see this guy out of the corner of my eye moving as quickly toward my car as I'm moving away from him, and I'm thinking to myself, he's ticked off that I'm avoiding him, and he's going to slam his car into my car. And then I hear my car door slam, and I look back, thinking my worst fear has just come true. And this guy, this guy smiles and says, you left your door open. <laughs> yeah. He just closed it, and he walked away. Lesson number one. I can't always trust my thinking. Remember Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. The second story is called Jen and Her Dog Highway. It was my second mission trip to Tijuana. Every year we rendezvous, we, we have a missionary we work with down there, and we meet at a McDonald's near the border in San Diego before going um, into Tijuana. And I'm running late as usual. I'm sure you're seeing a pattern here. And um, as I pull into a parking space, there's this emaciated woman covered in dirt, leaves in her hair, who peers out of nowhere, and she's standing next to my driver's side door with this scrawny little dog who looked as bad as she did. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Doesn't she know I've got important things to do? That I'm on a mission trip from God to help people in need in Mexico? And she's not part of the plan? The nerve of this woman to slow me down. Again, I think, very dangerous thing, right? I think, okay, I'll just give her a few dollars and get on with my mission. You see, I like to be in control of when I give and how I give, and this was so unexpected. However, there was a pause, and something in me said, ask her if she wants something to eat. Oh my, this is quite a change of plan. So not only did I buy her breakfast, but the voice told me to ignore my mission partners and sit down with her while she eats. Okay, I sit down and I introduce myself. She says her name is Jen and that her and her dog Highway got beat up last night and she slept in the bushes. I could tell she was a young woman who, who, who looked old. She only had a few teeth and she was probably weighing in under 100 pounds. My guess she was uh, being ravaged by an addiction to crystal meth. And yet, as I was sitting with her, I began to, to see her, and not just her disease. Joanne talked about that with us kids down there, you know, about noticing people, you know, and seeing them beyond their disease and what they look like and what they're struggling with. 
My heart opened as we made small talk, and I could feel the presence of God. I told her I enjoyed talking with her, but had to go because my friends were waiting. And I began to walk away and then turned back to ask if I could pray for her over the coming days. How gracious of me. She paused, thought for a moment, and said, Yeah, I guess that would be okay. As I walked away, she called out, Hey, Nick, with her beautiful eyes sparkling with the light of Christ, may I pray for you? Lesson number two. The people I think I'm helping are often helping me. Remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The next and last story is called The Stranger in Our Midst. I had recently become the youth and multicultural minister and was five months into a journey with the kids through the Hebrew scriptures. And I was preaching about the second giving of the law in the book of Deuteronomy when Joe appeared in the doorway. You guys remember that? He wore a dirty polo shirt, had closely cropped red hair, was slightly overweight, and he was rocking from side to side as he stood there smiling and smelling like dead fish. I paused, introduced myself, and told him this was the youth service and there was an adult service downstairs, but it was in Korean. And he told me that the ladies downstairs sent him up because the English service was up here. And I was like, yikes, I'm thinking again, watch out, uh, we're running late and I'm being interrupted by this homeless guy who smells worse than anyone I've ever met who lives on the street. And not only that, but he had this disturbing twitch. He was going like this. You see, I hadn't planned for this. And now I'm between a rock and a hard place since we had just been discussing how important it was then and now, to welcome the stranger in our midst. You remember Deuteronomy 10.19? You shall love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt? Great. If I ask him to leave, I look like a hypocrite, so I invite him to have a seat. And the smell was so strong that one of the moms got up and opened the window to get some air. Joe made me nervous with his eye twitching and repetitive hand gestures as I continued to preach. Then our mom gets up and says something to him and places what I think is a $20 bill in his hand. He smiles, gets up, and he walks out. And I'm thinking again, what just happened? Did she just pay the stranger in our midst to leave the worship service? Often at the church, I used to work at this church um, down south of Mission, another Korean-American church, and the homeless um, came there looking for food and, uh, you know, didn't participate in worship. And so the congregation would feed their bodies but not their souls. So I thought, well, maybe this guy just, you know, he just wanted some food. So whatever happened, as strange as it was, I was relieved that Joe had gone when near the end of my sermon... He walks back through the door with a cup of coffee and a smile on his face and takes a seat. 
So I wrap up and I usher the kids downstairs to grab a bite to eat while, they, while I try to get to know Joe a little bit better. And I tell you, it was awkward. And I didn't know what to say. You know, I pull up a chair and I start shooting off questions like, Hey, uh, what brought you here? Uh, are you living on the street? Uh, is there anything you need? Um, did you go to church when you were growing up? And what can I help you with? I sense he's becoming quite annoyed as I'm becoming more nervous by the second. He sits there twitching in silence and then finally interrupts me by saying, Why are you rejecting me? And I remember Jesus saying to Paul before his conversion, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, I feel rejected by you. Isn't this a worship service? He said with a stutter, you're, you're asking me questions f- f- from, from your head when Jesus calls you to c- c- come from your heart. This shifted the energy in the room, and I could feel and see that God was speaking to me through this man who smelled like rotting fish. My guard dropped as I dropped into my heart, and I experienced a sense of relief and the discomfort of my fear. You know, I felt that something greater than myself was in that room that said, you know, let's cut the you-know-what out. And I began to breathe. I began to breathe. And I said, you're right. I spent a lot of time in my head trying to figure things out. He said, you know, that... That's the problem in this city. Too many people coming from their, the, the, their heads rather than their, the, their hearts. I shared that I felt more in my heart and connected to God and spirit before going to study and become a minister. I told him that academia and the mind can be a cold place. And he said, God wants you to learn to use both your heart, and your head. Silence. Upon reflection, I said, you know, you're right. I'm starting to feel again, having graduated from seminary last May. Silence. I paused and said, why don't you tell me about yourself? He said, why do you ask? I don't know what to say to that. I said that I would start with me. So, I mean, my heart was just like wide open by this time. And I began telling him I was broken. And I shared my struggles with depression and anxiety and how I was in so much physical pain at one point in my life that I wanted to end my life. And he just moaned as if to say, why would you want to do that when this life is such a gift? This coming from a man who was living on the street without a place to take a bath. I told him how I've become so much better as my faith has been getting stronger. And I told him about my 12-step group and how it was helping me build my relationship with God. I told him it was a group where people came together admitting that they were broken and how I wish church was more like that. 
I told him I wanted to create a ministry where it was a safe space to admit brokenness and share stories of God's grace. And he asked, where are you going to do that? I told him how I struggled with my faith and I've been on a spiritual path that led me to seminary and to this place ministering to Korean American youth. He then asked me, why are you here? Is this just a a job to you? And I said, no, it feels like a call. I said, how about you? And he asked me if I read the book of James. And I said, yes, and that it was about service and that faith without works is dead. And he said, read it again. And study the lyrics of Amazing Grace. At which point I began to cry. And I said, Amazing Grace. How sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found blind, but now I see. He looked into my eyes as tears continued to flow, and I could see this light shining brightly through his. This guy had amazing eyes. Here were those eyes again. And he said, I'm going now. And he got up and he walked away with his smell, his twitch, and his stutter. I haven't seen him since. But I remember the words of Mother Teresa, who said of the poor, each one of them is Jesus in disguise. So let me recap. Number one, remember to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your straight, he will make straight your paths. Number two, remember that those you are helping may be there to help you. And number three, use your head and your heart and try to keep it open so you can receive love as well as give it. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for coming to us to make our paths straight, to give us a new heart and a new spirit, as Ezekiel said to remove our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Thank you for humbling us with your glory and blessing us with your grace. For it is you that appears as the other that we fear, and like Thomas and those on the road to Emmaus, we fail to see you when you are near. When we reject the other through fear and indifference, we reject you as you dwell in them. Wash away our preconceived notions of who is who and free us from the bondage of categories that label me as being different than the stranger that is you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.